It's Wednesday, April 22nd, 2020. I'm Stephen Fee, and this is The Pen Pod, a limited-run podcast from Pen America. On today's edition, Hong Kong's pro-democracy forces face new challenges. We talked to Penn Hong Kong's vice president about how writers are reacting to the COVID crisis. And then writer Mimi Locke on belonging, mentorship, and human connections amid a pandemic. I'm Stephen Fee, all that coming up on The Pen Pod. Over the weekend, authorities in Hong Kong arrested more than a dozen pro-democracy activists. It comes as the anti-government protests that have shaken Hong Kong for more than a year have somewhat subsided in the wake of the coronavirus outbreak. Earlier, I spoke to Ilaria Maria Sala. She's a writer and journalist based in Hong Kong and is vice president and a founding member of Penn Hong Kong. I started by asking her what the impact of the virus has been on the literary community there. I guess it has a double impact. Because on one hand, it has um, a, a deeper impact on uh, anything that people may be wanting to write, because the situation is so unusual, so worrying, and uh, everyone feels that there's a level of unreality to what we are living, that um, it, it's hard to really shift to another topic. and. Uh, writers who had something else they were working on find that all of a sudden it feels irrelevant. Um, More in terms of what we are trying to do here with the writing community, the inability to meet and the inability to have book launches, book presentations, is also having that makes people feel more isolated, more out of touch. There's been so much tumult in Hong Kong over the past year with anti-government demonstrations taking over. I'm wondering how the COVID-19 pandemic has changed how people are organizing and demonstrating, um, either virtually or otherwise. Well, that is part of the problem. So as you know, Hong Kong has been going through um, now a year of, a full year, 12 months of uh, political um, tensions. Things have been deteriorating quite steadily in the past, uh, since 97, when uh, Hong Kong was handed over to China. And so there have been this uh, very intense months of protests, um, which have been put on hold. However, one thing that we see is that the government has not um, has not taken this time of pandemic as a time of truce um, because they keep on uh, arresting people, they keep on having um, trials for people who had been arrested for protests that had been declared illegal sometime after they had been approved. And uh, there was a lot of back and fro between the government and the health authorities and the tribunals over face masks because last year the government invoked special powers, um, emergency laws to declare face masks illegal big March masked. Now with the health crisis, of course, the whole face mask issue And yet, at the beginning, the government didn't want to say, okay, now masks are allowed. They wanted to keep the ban on face masks. 
at the same time, now that there is also a restriction on the number of people that can gather, as I said before, uh, there is a maximum of four people at a time. This makes any kind of street protest very unlikely and uh, illegal. The moment more than four people are out together, it's illegal. And uh, all the things like this, so the scope, the space for protest is pretty uh, small at the moment. There are things going on in the Legislative Council, for example. And one thing that we are witnessing is really the pro-establishment camp and the government itself have not decided to for any form of reconciliation. They are on the opposite, taking the window given to them by the impossibility of protest to put in place um, some of some more restrictive measures, let's say, or to uh, to put in place people who are extremely pro-establishment, even in those institutions that still seem neutral. What we see is that there's a lot of um, unease, a lot of anger, a lot of worry that is building up in these weeks of uh, unreal environment where everything is suspended, everything is blocked because of the virus. Right. So let me ask you finally, how are readers and writers in Hong Kong supporting one another right now? We are trying to have meetings online, either with Skype or like problems we were talking about before. Um, there are quite a few writing projects that are going around. So the ways in which people are trying to cope with this time is mostly through all the online channels that are available. Because we cannot meet, we have had a few public discussions with our president, Tammy Ho, who also is the editor-in-chief of a literary journal called Asian Cha. And uh, Asian Cha and Pen have been having a lot of public readings, and so this now are still ongoing, but they have shifted online. Well, I'm so glad that you all are keeping the community running in Hong Kong, and, and we appreciate you so much. Uh, writer Ilaria Maria Sala is vice president of Penn Hong Kong, which is part of the global network of Penn Centers. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Steve. Mimi Locke is a writer whose work has appeared across literary publications and magazines. She's also founding director of the nonprofit oral history group, Voice of Witness. Locke received the 2020 Penn Robert W. Bingham Prize uh, this year, actually, or just, a, just last month, uh, for her debut short story collection for her work, Last of Her Name. And she joins me now. Hi, Mimi. Hi. It's just crazy that that was uh, like weeks ago. <laughs> it feels like a lifetime ago. I know, and that was, a, I know. that was on the moon, right? That wasn't in New York. <laughs> That's right, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so tell me first, just where are you um, sheltering in place right now? I'm calling from my home in San Francisco. Great. So I want to talk to you about Last of Her Name, uh, your short story collection. Uh, you know, it, obviously it probes a lot of these connections that we have with each other, with strangers, with friends. Uh, you know, I'm wondering how 
you think those connections can be interpreted now in the midst of all of the isolation I think a lot of us are going through? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, one of the big themes that runs through out the stories in the collection is um, the theme of yearning and mm. longing to belong and uh, trying to find one's sense of place in the world. And I think that um, even in quote-unquote normal times, we don't have a lot of control over that. And um, with some of the relationships that we have in our lives, people we've lost or people we've um, been uh, estranged from, those 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 are yearnings or longings that we, you know, if we're lucky, we, we manage to learn how to manage. And I think in times like these, um, we have even less control in a way of the things that we're yearning for um, because this is an unprecedented time. Um, I mean, I'm going to get kind of personal now, but, um, but lately I've been having dreams of people that I didn't even know I was missing consciously. Mm. And, um, and these are people in my, in my present, in my recent past, in my past past. And, and that's a sign to me that, um, you know, in extreme circumstances, a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff that lives in different layers of consciousness that you're not aware of, they they do get shaken up to the surface. And I, the only thing I can do is just listen to that and see, see what see what that's a sign of. Yeah, I, I I wonder, you know, do you do you find that you're drawing, you know, in, in recollecting those connections and in being able to do some of that self reflection? I mean, does that do you feel like that's going to help in, inform your work right now? Do you feel like it's just sort of how you're reacting to the current circumstance? I think that um, I don't know whether it will inform my work more um, or less than usually, but I think the only thing that um, any writer or any person <laughs> should be doing right now is listening, um, mm. listening to yourself and what you need and listening to others and um, especially those who don't have the privileges and access to um, to certain things that we take for granted. And, uh, and I think that in times like this and in times of crisis in general, there's this wonderful human urge to help. And sometimes mm -hmm. that help can be um, overwhelming if it's not directed in the right way. So... I think one of the things that we need to do as individuals and also collectively is just to make sure that we are really listening to the needs of folks who who need um, support the most, who are slipping through the cracks um, in these times of crisis, and so that we can be as helpful as we can. Yeah. Well, I'm wondering, you know, speaking of help and, and the, the sort of interconnectedness, I'm wondering if, if you know, mentorship right now matters a lot to writers and, and looking to people for advice and guidance. I'm curious what, what mentorship has played, uh, what, what kind of role mentorship has played for you and how, how maybe we can maintain those bonds uh, right now. Yeah, I've had certain, um, certain writing teachers, but also people in my life who haven't necessarily been writers, but have just been incredible role models um, for me throughout my life um, who have kind of been a lighthouse in the fog and and I think it can that kind of mentorship or encouragement can can really be um, so helpful even in 
non-crisis times but I think more, more than ever when people are kind of questioning a lot you know a lot of a lot of big questions are are more are more prevalent now they're kind of we're sort of living in these big questions we can distract ourselves all we want from social media but um but I think when you're in self-isolation you're just faced with yourself more than usual and I think uh, one of the consequences of that is that you you know you question your place in the world and your usefulness and your purpose. And I think um, I think one thing that we can all agree on at this time is that, um, I mean, thank goodness for artists, right? This, these are the, you know, writers and musicians and, you know, the, these are the people we're, who we're finding solace in. And um, so I think it's more important than ever to, to nurture um, the work of these people, especially younger, um, younger artists and writers who who don't necessarily have the resources to say go be on an MFA or travel to conferences and attend all these workshops and things like that so I think um and I think having especially in this time in, in times like this it's uh it reminds us that there are so many different ways in which we can be a source of support to each other virtually um and um and that I hope that 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 rethinks um that, that helps us rethink uh, access to this this type of uh, mentorship and support. Yeah, I, I, just quickly, if you don't mind, I, I I want you to to give our listeners a sense of Voice of Witness, which is the oral history project that you run, and what you all are doing maybe right now in terms of the coronavirus crisis. Right. Yeah. Of course. So uh, Voice of Witness is a San Francisco-based nonprofit, and our mission is to amplify voices of people impacted by injustice, specifically people impacted by the carceral system in this country and the and our country's immigration policies. So, um, so we we do this through an oral history book series. We interview people uh, who've been impacted, but also who are on the front lines of finding solutions, and. Um, and these are anthologized, they're the publisher's books. And then our other arm is an education program. And we do a lot of curricular work around these issues and stories. And we, we connect classrooms, mostly underserved classrooms, um, and um, with oral history methodology, but also helping to unpack some of these issues and stories. And so because so much of our work is in person, either conducting oral history interviews or going into classrooms, providing support to educators and students, not only in classrooms, but also in, in community settings like group homes. And now those students are cut off from, mm-hmm. from these resources and we're incredibly worried and incredibly concerned um, for, their, for their well-being. And, um, and so, uh, so something that we've been doing a lot of right now is listening to all the organizations and individuals that work um, very deeply in these communities and and responding to what they need and what they what kind of um, what kind of response would be most helpful to them right now and some of that is about um, reimagining some of the services that we offer so that that can't be in person anymore and trying to reimagine them as virtual forms of support mm-hmm. and then others you, you they, they just they just can't happen um, virtually. Uh, sometimes it's because uh, some of our student populations just don't have access to internet or to or to a device, and so um, so we've got to be really creative about how we respond. And in some cases, it's just sitting in this very uncomfortable and uh, sometimes distressing moment of not having an answer yet, 
um, yet being the operative word. So, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, a lot of our, um, a lot of the the folks who are working on our on our books are, you know, they they had a lot of travel lined up to. Um, we have one one project that's focused in on Puerto Rico, and our interviews have been spreading out across the island until recently. And so all all of those really important in-person trust building, relationship building um, pieces of an interview that can really only happen in person. Um, The challenge now is to move those interviews online. And and so that process is is going to take longer. Um, But that's just the reality right now. Yeah, well, I'm glad that you all are finding ways to pivot. I think, uh, you know, so many so many organizations and groups are, uh, including our own. Um, Mimi Locke is author of the debut Pan America award winning collection, uh, Last of Her Name. Thanks so much. Thank you, Stephen. And that's our episode for Wednesday, April 22nd, 2020. Join us tomorrow for the Pen Pod. We'll have an interview with the editor of the Paris Review, Emily Nemens. You can listen to all our episodes at pen.org. Follow us at Pen America on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Sign up on our website for our daily Dare newsletter, where we track major stories about literature, free expression, and the news of the world. I'm Stephen Fee for Pen America. This is the Pen Pod. See you tomorrow. Thank you.